how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Today on The Colin and Samir Show, uh, we have a very special interview. It's with one of our very close friends, Paul Rabel. Now, if you don't know this about Samir and I, we both played lacrosse growing up. We were huge fans of lacrosse, and our first business together was called the Lacrosse Network, which was a YouTube network dedicated to the sport of lacrosse. And Paul Rabel is known as the LeBron James of lacrosse. Yeah, I think if you told my 14-year-old or 16-year-old or self that at one point I was going to be podcasting with Paul Rabel, it would be crazy. If you told me that at one point we'd be filming documentaries with Paul Rabel, that would be crazy. And if you ever told me that he would be a groomsman in my wedding, that would be crazy. But all those things are true. And all those things happened. And we got to know Paul through our first business, the Lacrosse Network. Now, what's really interesting about Paul, when we met him about 10 years ago, lacrosse as an industry was in a very different place. It was not possible to make a career as a professional lacrosse player solely off playing the sport. The rookie wage in major league lacrosse at that time was $6,000. That's how much a professional lacrosse player got paid. But lacrosse was Paul's passion. And in order to make it work, he actually took to YouTube and started making videos about lacrosse, found an audience there, started incorporating brand deals and sponsorships. And he laid the roadmap for what it looked like for a professional lacrosse player to actually make money in this career. So we met Paul right as he was uploading to YouTube. And we partnered with him to start making YouTube videos together. And that's when we got really intimately familiar with Paul as a person, his work ethic, and the similarities between an athlete in a sport that didn't have much coverage and a content creator, both of which had to tell their own story. Traditional media was not going to cover lacrosse and was not going to cover Paul. So he had to grab a camera and tell his own story. And that's what he did. And now, many years later, Paul is here on the show talking about his new documentary film, which is called Fate of a Sport, that you can watch on ESPN. So the documentary tracks Paul's career as a professional athlete, his entrance into Major League Lacrosse, and then his eventual exit from Major League Lacrosse to start his own league called the Premier Lacrosse League. So Paul and a bunch of players were really unhappy with how they were compensated in the former league, how they were treated, the lack of media even that the league had. And so Paul took it into his own hands. He raised money, started the Premier Lacrosse League, and now players are compensated much better. They have higher wages, they have health care, and they have equity in the league. Not to mention the league is also broadcast on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, the games now have fans. There's like a whole different culture around professional lacrosse, all thanks to Paul and his brother Mike and all the players that came together to completely change the trajectory of professional lacrosse. And a lot of this has to do with storytelling and media. And that's what you see in the documentary and what you'll hear in this conversation. Another interesting fact about the documentary, Samir and I shot some of the footage. That's right. We're the opening scene. We shot the opening scene. We also are credited in the film as additional camera. 
Which he didn't have to do. That's very nice. Yeah. So the film premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. Colin and I went out to go see it. And it was really just this unbelievable moment of seeing storytelling come to life and see someone who had really taken matters into their own hands through wanting to make the career that they always wanted, wanting to make the situation, wanting to make the world that they wanted to see exist. So we'll get into the conversation now. We'll let you guys hear from our friend Paul. But I think if you're a creator, if you're anyone who wants to bring something to life, this conversation is incredibly inspiring and empowering when it comes to understanding your situation and making your dream a reality. So now let's get into this conversation with our good friend, Paul Rabel. So Paul, something that Samir and I talk about all the time is that creators are actually really similar to athletes in that we're all different, right? Like someone who's a lacrosse player would train very differently than a hockey player, right? The careers are totally different. The vocab is different. And similar to athletes, creators seem to have like a five to seven year lifespan. Mm. You are a creator and an athlete. And I remember filming with you back in like 2014 and you talking about how you had to film yourself. Like you took to social media so early, Mm. way before 2014. But I remember you talking, I remember talking to you then and you saying like, I have to tell my own story because no one else will. Mm -hmm. And I would love if you could bring our listeners and viewers up to speed on like who you were as an athlete and a content creator. Like what's your background as being an athlete while also producing content? Can we talk about the, the, the career lifespan first? Yeah. 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 So in pro sports, it's actually like two and a half mm. years. And um, the thing about it is, is very few people, whether it's agents or college coaches or mentors of young athletes, they never talk about what you do when you become pro. It's always about everything you have to sacrifice and earn to get drafted. And then often when you're drafted, the lights actually shine bright on you mm. and you're on your own. And there are all these distractions and it is fucking competitive as hell. Uh, And there's risk like injury and the next draftee that wants it more than you. So there's a ton of turnover and there's, and there's greater turnover in different sports based on, you know, the, the, the type of discipline and there are certain positions that are commoditized and others that are, you know, well-kept. I'll give you an example as a quarterback in the NFL has a much longer career than a cornerback. Um, and their skill positions and, and highlight players. Now, I think the same goes for acting, goes for creating, goes for uh, just highly competitive disciplines in the arts. And I think sports is in the arts. Um, and so when I think about my career, and this might segue into content creating, I, when I was younger, I thought it was about how strong and how fast I was relative to my peers. And when I was older, I realized it was actually about how well you could endure. And in sports, it's about at the professional level, how much you can persevere through the ups and downs to extend your career. And that's both mental and physical. I had, when I retired, there was a, um, there was an article that came out in one of the lacrosse endemics from teammates that had played with me. And, and they were like, what, what's a characteristic that, that Paul brought to the field? And the person that I respected potentially the most 
said that he could play through injury. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? That's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the what thing you took. Yeah. That's what you thought. Yeah. Um, and wanted, I wanted it to be like scoring and yeah. like he was you know, bigger, more agile clutch. Right. And he was like, oh, he played through injury. So I think that uh, that is a big part of whatever talent in respective fields to be able to extend their career is, is having the endurance to deal with the lows, mm. uh, arguably more than, than the highs. Um, and that requires like a good support system. And, and I think a, a mind that is fiercely competitive and, um, and very focused, very singularly focused. I think, I think something you just brought up though is really just ringing so true on the world of independent content creation that you hear a lot about what it takes to have your videos work on YouTube or have your content work on social. And then once you become a professional at it, there's no more people telling you what to do. And all of a sudden, like you start making money, maybe you get a representation, maybe you uh, start hiring people. All of a sudden you have overhead connected to your work and you like, you've become a media company without any yeah. training. Yeah. And it's a really overwhelming thing, I think, for a lot of creators. But I had never made that connection. It's a really interesting. Well, you guys, you guys there. nailed it. I listened to it on a former episode where you were drawing the analogy of of athletes to creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we think about sports metaphors uh, throughout our entire existence. It's one of the the probably the more extended perks we get as a society is to draw from you know sports metaphors around motivation or yeah. mm-hmm. resilience and winning and losing. Um, and, and the truth is, is just, you know, there are, there are way more professional athletes and probably what you're finding way more creators that just aren't as dogged as those that have the endurance that become perennial. And there's just a reason why you are the cut of above the cut above mm. and only time will tell. And some people come from behind yeah. and then some people just hold on to the top spot. And that's, there's a lot of power and wisdom and just toughness mm-hmm. in, in holding on to the top spot. I think it's not just like endurance over long periods of time, but it's also willingness to fail publicly. Yeah. And both as an athlete and as a creator, you have to do that really early on where people are judging you or you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You're putting yourself out there and if you don't perform, right? Like for us, if our videos don't perform or for you, if you don't perform in the field, it's public. Everyone's just watching yeah. you perform. And you had to go and through that at the same time, you had which to is very both. different yeah. because yeah. most athletes, like you said, they, they work hard, they get drafted, and then they get to a point where they're in the limelight and then they grow a following. Right. Right. Mm. So you had to do both at the same time. Mm. Because you didn't necessarily get the limelight yeah. back when you became pro because it just wasn't a thing for lacrosse players at that time. Yeah. So you were the first person really to take to creating while also being a professional athlete. Yeah. Which I think is very unique that you had to try and fail publicly yeah. at two things at the same time. Because I know, speaking to you, all of your peers who were also pro athletes didn't necessarily think it was cool that no. you were posting on YouTube and on Instagram. Well, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm still sorting through it um, intrapersonally because it, yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult 
as an athlete or a creator, I'd imagine it's, they, they feel the same as athletes who in my position take action sports or just more niche, lesser known sports that are having to shed a light on their discipline through themselves. And it is not an entirely selfless act. It's, you know, like I, I, I wanted lacrosse to be on the same stage as basketball and football and baseball. And I knew that learning new media and creating through those mediums was going to help propel awareness of the sport was also going to propel potentially a lot of awareness for me. And uh, then you're starting to receive feedback or engagement around the good and the bad and the ugly of that. And it's super difficult. We're not wired to, to, to have to sort through that when we're the creators of that, right? Like old media is, yeah, people will talk shit about you, but that's through newspapers and radio and, right. and you mm-hmm. know, these, these sports programs that run on ESPN. And so you're kind of, ju- you're, you're just on the outside observing. Now, you know, you're kind of biting from your own hand that feeds you if you're creating content that people talking shit on. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine as, as like a creator, I, I guess I had an outlet in a way where I could just go back on the field and try to kick some ass and, yeah. and people could talk shit on it, but I was still kicking ass. Right. Post a good highlight. Right. Yeah. And it's all right. Yeah. 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 Like I just did one today. Mm-hmm. I just posted a highlight before I came. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm not even playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's an interesting dynamic that you were posting things from home that you were filming, Mm -hmm. like really getting creative. So here's what I'm sorting through is, uh, there is, and this has kind of been in in my post retirement is sort of figuring out like what of it was healthy and what of it is, was, was, and is unhealthy, you know? And it's, it's just a really fine line when you are your brand and, uh, and it can just, it can be tiresome. Uh, I think as we get older, if we're lucky, we, we build a little bit more self-awareness around ourselves and others. And so that like runs in direct conflict with me. You know, I don't really do many selfie videos anymore. I, I, I used to do it all the time. I just got uncomfortable with it. Hmm. And I'm also just like, I don't really, I don't really like want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's different versions uh, and it's just, it's a whole complex space. And and maybe I'm also kind of, uh, my tanks running a little bit on empty because we, to your point, Colin, we started creating in 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. It's been a long road. But similar to an athlete, like it is, it is the evolution of it. Like this version of Paul Rabel uh, today is in evolution of what it was before. If you were doing the same thing, it would be almost but think about a- it. absurd. But, but think about it, you and I and Colin, like mm-hmm. we geek out on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that's also the double-edged sword for me. And I'm not sure every creator, and I know every athlete's not like this. Like I fucking love jumping in the algorithms yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah, learning yeah. about these platforms and who's performing well. And like, there's the business I mean, of it. You had viral hits that were talked about yeah. all over the news when and you threw a ball over the Baltimore yeah. Harbor. Oh my God. Yeah. Like that but, was everywhere and you got millions of views and, and you know, you could have some, as someone who studies the algorithm, Still to this day, you could be trying to recreate those types of moments. Yeah, and you can try to engineer it, but like also you're you're analyzing, overanalyzing, and that um, you know that that arguably is the most challenging part. I've called you before, mm-hmm. actually recently ahead of our film premiere. Yeah, 
And I was like, when should I post this trailer? I remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. dude, it's a trailer. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. should post it. It's a special <laughs> moment. And I'm like, well, it's Friday at two. Yeah. And like, post don't perform off. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the curse of caring about the business. And it's just one of many life paradoxes. Yeah, but it's also why you're, you know, why you have a brand today. Cause that, that is an important part of being a creator. Also, you're, you are weirdly good at TikTok. I just want to say that. Dude, I've yeah. seen your drafts. If Dude. you unloaded all of those drafts, I think you'd be just a big TikTok star. I think so? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. thought about it. Um, maybe so, I will after the doc yeah. because I feel like the doc's going to yes. unchain me a little bit. People are like, oh, this, this right, is just right, a, right. another dude yeah. who gets upset with himself. Sure. And I, I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of bring that now. Dub smash? I used to kill dub yeah, smash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sure. like, no, you're, you're, you're me. Unexpectedly yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Why unexpected? Oh, come on. I, yeah, I wasn't yeah. good on set yeah. ever when no, we were doing the branded no. content stuff. It's like, give me a line. Look, man, and I'm, I, I'm I made a few freeze. TikToks on my private yeah. account. They're terrible. Yeah, They're I don't terrible. have yeah. it in me to make TikTok solo. But, okay, you are referencing <laughs> your documentary. And I want to talk about this concept of telling your own story. Yeah. And, you know, I think the last time we saw you was at the Tribeca Film Festival coming out to New York to watch your movie. Yeah. Fate of a Sport. This movie tracks your journey um, as the athlete, as well as the founder of the Premier Lacrosse League, and takes us through a lot of these iterations of, of you and, and how you went through, you know, being an athlete who had to tell your own story and, and build a fan base by yourself uh, through social and then build this new league and, and push the sport forward. Um, but a huge part of this is about the evolution of you yeah. as, as a human being, and it opens with kind of this notion of being pretty open and vulnerable about the um, embarrassment or feeling you had towards being a professional lacrosse player. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I think that's a, um, it, it is reminiscent of my personal experience of the feeling of when I was 21 years old and pursuing YouTube as a career when my friends were mm. going to law school and doing things that felt more serious. In, at that time in 2010, saying you were going to do YouTube as your career was like yeah, crazy. That was a crazy thing to say out yeah. loud. And I really appreciated that in the beginning of your movie, you, you open up about that feeling. And that's yeah. like the most human feeling that someone could have is the external validation of this thing I'm doing is, isn't existing. Right. I related to it as well, that scene, just in the matter of you know, when we were more involved in the lacrosse world, I wasn't embarrassed to be a part of the lacrosse world, but I wanted to be seen as more than just that, mm. right? Mm, so yeah. I definitely resonated with that too from, you know, our collective experience all being in the sport. Yeah. Well, it was hard to be able to convey that because, you know, in the end, I'm a lacrosse player and I love lacrosse and it's a special sport for me and for you know, the aboriginals of this country. And so you want to constantly honor that. And then there's these young kids now all over the world that are playing lacrosse. And when I was younger, I looked up to the top guys and I wanted to be them. And there was this kind of thought that I had after doing that interview, like, fuck, man. I just really let all those kids down mm -hmm. by saying, you know, on a very public stage, uh, this isn't, this isn't good up here. Um, and yeah. I, that was my worry. I felt relief about being able to share how I 
have felt over the last 15 years of trying to, you know, bear a torch of a sport that has had no question a battered reputation um, and saying like, Hey everyone, this was really fucking hard. And I've, I've had my head down and, you know, you go back to my YouTube channel and things like that. I mean, I was working really hard at promoting this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still do. You've never stopped. No, yeah. but just I, I just, I think, you know, and, and this is also maybe the, maybe my, my life's work in a, in paradoxical form is, um, I'm happy with where I am today. I'm, I'm proud of what I've been able to create. Yet the whole journey, I just wanted to be recognized in the same light as an NBA or NFL player. Yet if I was, I wouldn't be where I am today. And coming to terms with that is, is challenging um, daily. And it has, you know, I've, and I go through different swings. I even think I was probably more confident in what I was doing three years ago than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to absorb those checks at times in your life and um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's what we all, and I think probably COVID had a little bit mm-hmm. to do with our ability to take a step back and think more critically around our purpose and yeah. uh, what brings us fulfillment, what keeps us interested how to stoke that, but also how to be good at stepping away for a bit. And then it all culminated when I retired and had major surgery, wasn't able to do two things that I loved the most, which was essentially exercise and play lacrosse, be an athlete. So that was pretty hard this past year, um, all while this film was being wrapped. And the film has actually, you know, when you, you really look at that film, it's actually been shot over what a seven year period, maybe longer. Yeah. We have home videos yeah. that are, you know, tell a, a better story of Mike and my relationship. But, who's my founder, co-founder of the PLL going back to, you know, 1990. I feel like though you're like with those included really your career, if you search on the internet and go on YouTube and search your channel by oldest video, or even go to your Facebook page, you and your career has been chronicled since 2009 is that right? right since you graduated college well you guys know this like even this moment is, is i've i say this when we when we get to sit down and publish anything together we've been creating for that long yeah you guys were my business mm-hmm. partners that's right that. and it's it's special we've we've we shot an early podcast when you first launched mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right unreleased and we've no no a one oh, before oh, that you're right before that. I'm a return released. guest yeah, I'm yeah. a yeah. publicly we, we returned guest we won't talk about the unreleased stuff which yeah. camera should I look yeah. into <laughs> there's so many cameras now like I don't even when our first podcast we didn't have a camera <laughs> and some of the footage so, in the doc Samir and I shot yeah and, there, yeah, mm-hmm. and what Samir's referencing is there was a yeah. yes let me sit on that for a second. <laughs> and it's fucking great footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin and I spent a month together yeah. in New York in the old league mm-hmm. doing a version of what's now being distributed with ESPN films. And we created our own doc series called The Move. That was yeah. some of the best times, man. Mm-hmm. That was the best. And it was largely actually about the struggle of being a pro lacrosse player. That's yes. what it was about. It really was mm-hmm. what it was about. And we, you know how many we, times I pointed to that to our producers yeah. and been like, let's just add this scene yeah. here. Like it's, it's published and 200,000 <laughs> people have we seen We actually it. had to work hard uh, on that piece or Colin did specifically to not make the league look as bad as it actually was. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that was something that, because we were very, um, hesitant to actually unload on the, the space of what it actually really looked like, um, at times. And I still think it looked, you know, we, we painted the picture of the realities of being a professional lacrosse player through your, your experience. But like, if you really look at that footage, it is like, whoa, that's premium fucking footage too, man. You did a great job shooting it. I and think, editing it. I, I, I just think Colin yeah. is one of the best in the industry. I appreciate telling, that. I mean, so much of that, so much of that I think truly is just, we always say like documentary filmmaking is about access and you granted access to us in a crazy way. And there's, you know, there's, I just had to hold the camera. There's well, a scene that Colin shot. That's, that's what we call a deflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a scene that's in that, uh, in the movie that was also in the doc that we're talking about that Colin shot and it's shot by Colin where you are coming home from practice and going to get ice at a CVS yeah. and uh, to do your own ice bath. And I think that scene is one of the best pictures of what it is to be a professional lacrosse player. We workshop that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is a, that is a, one of my favorite films is the wrestler, right? That yes. was yeah. co-directed. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. cinematography of the mm-hmm. follow of something mm-hmm. that's really grim. Yes. And that scene alone speaks volumes. There's no words in that scene. It just speaks volumes that you have to go buy your own bag of ice and make your own ice bath. Yeah. And um, th- that, that piece, I think, was you know, such an important one for, I think, all of us. It, it taught all of us. Uh, like about storytelling so much and about how to portray something and um, how to tell a story on the internet as well. And like the, the type of access that we could grant to an audience ourselves that we could just pick up cameras and, and do this yeah. um, was such an empowering moment. And some of those scenes um, showing them to the world, there's another scene in the film where you're on a, um, you're on a barstool podcast on part of my take yeah. and big cat when the hosts asks you if you ever wish you played a real sport. Yeah. Uh, like immediately responded. Yes. All and the time. you immediately responded. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is that an honest feeling of yours as you look back on the career? Yes, that is. It's but, an honest feeling that also exists with being happy that I did what I did. Mm. And that's, that's just life. It's, yeah. it's okay to feel two, two things, things at once, yeah. at once yeah. that, are headed in different directions. And imagination is a powerful thing. You could have played football in the NFL and had a terrible time. Yeah. Hated it immensely, but you haven't done it. Yeah. So in your mind, you make it out to be something that could be better than what you have now. Right. And, and our mind has that way about it. Doesn't it? Like even with Mm -hmm. relationships and exes, you just remember all the good stuff. Yeah. Was that your segue for us now to no, no, and I'm thinking <laughs> even about the future. The, the future is, is, is painted in, yeah. you know, posterity and light, and the present is, you know, such a shitty experience. Mm-hmm. It's, why, is, why do our minds do that, right? The, yeah. the, the past was so great with this person that wasn't. Right. Yeah. The, the future is going to be amazing. We're going to resolve all conflict. But right, right now, everything sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. How our, yeah. that's how our minds work. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. how mine works. What, doesn't seem like no, there's a lot yeah, of agreement yeah. in the yeah. room, though. <laughs> no, I, I think, <laughs> I think that, moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that moment in the documentary, though, along with many of the others, is what makes it so relatable. You don't have to be a professional athlete or someone who's a founder of a company to relate to a lot of the scenes that are in the film. Yeah, And to feel the, the duality of being human and the complexity of being human. Right. I think that's what you paint really well. And, and that's what was really hard about the documentary too, is I've, uh, and this is also life 
I guess two things. One is that you learn if, if you are fortunate or unfortunate to be documented that, yeah, it's true. The way we remember things isn't entirely accurate. It's not mm. the way it happened. So you like see back scenes mm. in locker rooms and moments with, you know, my business partner, my brother, like sorting through a challenge and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's how we are collectively retaining information based on our narrative. And when you see something objectively shot between two people interacting, you're like, oh, that's not the way I remember it. <laughs> so that's difficult. That's been difficult. And then number two is I, I just grew up wanting to be Michael Jordan and then wanting to be the Michael Jordan of lacrosse. And I don't regret any of those actions taken to, to get to that. Like what got me here isn't, what I kind of rest and practice on now to get me where I want to go. Um, but that uh, where I am now is not where I was. And this documentary isn't framing me as what I thought or wanted to be mm. framed as in my yeah. career. Like, and you, that just kind of sucks. To, like, I, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I think it'd be nice to have a last dance and just kick everyone's ass and be the MVP all mm -hmm, the time right. and be funny and be, you know, mm -hmm. just but the it, best. It, it, happened, <laughs> it happened in a lot more of a complex way, which is something I appreciate about the film. There's moments in the film that I was so uncomfortable in my chair. Really? Yes. Imagine where I, what I was feeling. Right. Yeah. I was sweating. But there's My there's ass moments. Was completely sweating. <laughs> we were outside. It was hot. It was humid. It was, you think it was yeah, hot? It was the middle of June. Okay. All right. Um, uh, there was. I had a suit on. Th th there are moments in that film nice that suit. are are uh, extremely uncomfortable to watch uh, because of the amount of emotion you're portraying and. Yeah. Um, you're watching two things happen at once. This like the sport of lacrosse get pulled into a completely new world and of professionalism, of uh, branding, of, of being on a platform. And ironically, or whatever the word is at the same time, watching you as a professional athlete not perform. Right. And that is, there are moments where that, as you can imagine, the, those emotions come to a head. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil any of the scenes, but I will just say that I was happy to see, as we mentioned, that good storytelling hinges on access, that there was an amount of access and a willingness to keep those scenes in the film Yeah, um, that I think really help contextualize what this experience has been like for you. Well, and, and I, I'll say that, you know, when we record this right now, it's before the film's been released. The film's releasing on August 29th and, uh, the level of access, but also the scenes that are shot have in, in so many ways, I've never inched close to sharing that type of yeah. stuff. So I'm sitting here with you guys now knowing that, all right, there will be definitely in our industry, small industry of lacrosse memes and all of this bullshit yeah. and mm -hmm. what a, you know, what an asshole and mm -hmm. soft and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm okay. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. You showed me how much sport is actually just entertainment. Yeah. And Cause I always looked at it as an activity being mm. someone who grew up playing sports and then meeting you and then starting to film professional sports and edit it in a certain way, started to realize how much more it is like entertainment. And I know you're uh, are a fan of the WWE Yeah. and you know, I remember you thinking about storylines and being very, pre being very aware of 
who you were and who maybe the enemy character might be or that type right. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, We tried to create that yeah. once. We yeah, and, and truly how important it is and how that is actually one of the reasons that the NBA is where it is, right? Because they have phenomenal mm-hmm. storylines. Guys aren't wearing helmets. You can see their faces. Yep. There's a lot of personality. Totally. So you can have authentic storylines. And you were the person who really showed to me that we have to dictate the storylines. And I would have assumed before meeting you that it was just let the people play and whatever ensues ensues. And yeah. sure, that's a part of it. I mean, it's, it's... But it's actually way more competitive and well thought out and strategic than that. And it's the holy grail if you get the storylines and the drama and the gossip around the best player in the league. Then, then mm-hmm. that, that's where it all comes together. And those are when leagues will say they caught lightning in a bottle and you have Conor McGregor or LeBron James come along and you change your whole strategy around them Mm -hmm. because that's special. You know, one of the best players in his generation coming up and he's also controversial and a villain in a lot of ways and, uh, you know, inspires different audiences to tune in. Um, that, uh, that lightning in a bottle is, is what probably, we try to capture as creators too, from a virality standpoint is like, how do we get that moment? Mm -hmm. And, uh, the truth is, is it just can't be manufactured. There can be effort that's put into it. Just like LeBron and Connor, like work their fucking asses off to get that opportunity on stage when the moment is captured. Um, and so the lesson is you just can't focus on, one area and say, you know, I've got the tool. Yeah. If, if, if some social media agency comes to me, we know to create a viral piece of content, turn the page. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I agreed. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, you keep, you, you bring up LeBron a lot. Uh, you were obviously on the shop, which is LeBron's show. Yeah. And LeBron James is an executive producer of your film, yeah. head of a sport. You also throughout your career were referred to as the LeBron James right. of lacrosse, right. which is such a cool full circle moment I can imagine, right? Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the concept of wage because being the LeBron James of lacrosse or of your sport, that kind of signals to the rest of the world, you know, what type of caliber of professional athlete you are, um, plus like your compensation level, uh, in my opinion. And you mentioned that the rookie wage in you know, the, the, the league that you started playing. You say major, it was major called major lacrosse. We bought them. Yeah. So the rookie wage in major league lacrosse. <laughs> so that was so much vindication. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the rookie wage in major league lacrosse, $6,000. So 3000 after taxes, you get spending money. Like yeah. it almost feels. In California. In California. Yeah. <laughs> it almost feels confusing to me why you kept playing. And, and why a lot of players keep playing when maybe at that time, that was how much they were compensated. Is that illuminating of like what it, like the true passion of playing the sport? Um, and then, you know, to, to tack onto that, like as you r- rose in the ranks and became the best player, like, did you feel fairly compensated at your highest level? Uh, starting with the latter, I would say no. Yeah. On the former, it touches on elements of what we've discussed. And the truth is, is in our careers to excel and to and commit, it, 
it takes uh, some sense, some bit of like a magic potion. And inside of that potion is your competitiveness and your dogginess. And uh, it's not all of it, right? I can't look at you guys honestly and say, I stuck it out because I just wanted to be the best fucking lacrosse player ever. I did, but that wasn't all of it because that was probably not enough in an environment where you walk away and you can't pay rent. Mm. Um, so then there is uh, this innovative part for me and, and being on the cutting edge of new media and seeing light there to create something else. And so that's when I started my kind of athlete entrepreneur career mm-hmm. and I was launching camps to make, you know, side cash and then was able to understand new media and build some sense of an audience where I started getting endorsement dollars. So it was like kind of unveiling it yeah. layer by layer. So there was the curiosity and the intellectualism that goes into it and always keeping the dogged competitiveness. Um, and then there's team, you know, and, and it resourcing and reinvesting. So there's this moment where I probably was able to pull a hundred thousand dollars in sponsorship. Uh, I was living in Baltimore and, you know, so that took me to one Oh six, call it. Amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I took probably, yeah, I probably took 60 of it and hired my first employee. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that's like a lot of foresight and a lot of business acumen Yeah. to say, but you know, mind you 60 of it. And then, you know, we're operating from scratch again. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Taxes like, are out. That's like a lot of, I would have gone broke if I <laughs> spent all 106, <laughs> but it's a lot of business acumen to be like, I'm willing to, to spend this capital to try and build something bigger Yeah. when, you know, the league's not going to pay me that much more than this. No. Right. And, and then there's, there's probably some part of that potion too, where you're, um, you're rationally optimistic. Yeah. And I found that over my career, I do things even like off the field and out of my career where people just go like, all right. Uh, he feels strongly about that. Like it's hard to talk me off of when yeah. I'm feeling strongly about yep. something, as mm-hmm. you guys know. I know that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I've always felt probably blindly when it, when if you look at the history of pro lacrosse, that it was going to get there. Um, and I, and, and just like stay the course mm. and keep pushing. Um, it's really hard. And I've gone through moments in my career where I would say my cynicism creeps up on the scale of balance of, of where my optimism is. And that's when I'm at my worst mm. and I'm, I'm most stressed. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty optimistic dude when it comes to career. And there's, there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of value in, in the cynic. And those are usually sure. like the CEOs that yeah. like are constantly turning over stones and are paranoid and keeping people safe and active. And, and that's what drives them and they need support. Um, and all of the optimists on the flip side, they, they mess up. They have a lot of oversight. They keep pushing and they need to slow down. And so it's a good balance that I have with my brother. You can probably choose which one's which. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's why the film shows the, that. Yeah. I think the film mm-hmm. shows that pretty well. <laughs> I also think the film existing shows your optimism because, you know, if you had told me when we were shooting lacrosse, that there would be a documentary in Tribeca about lacrosse and that we would sit in, in New York City and watch it on a massive screen yeah. at a premiere. I would have said, was it ours? 
<laughs> I would well, probably say if, if, it, yeah. if it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it'd be yeah. yours. But it was, it was an amazing experience. That's You're in the credit. That, that's just, yeah, but that's just because we were very confident at the time, too. And I would yeah. have assumed, like, well, if it's going to be anyone. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. uh, you don't need a backpedal. Yeah. You're a great fucking filmmaker. Yeah. Thanks. I'll take it again. Yeah. The, You'll be it, in Tribeca it, it, for yeah. a film yeah. if you allow yourself. It's true. True. The, uh, it was amazing to, to sit there and watch it and to watch the people who were involved uh, to, in the film, Jeffrey Wright, Adam yeah. Silver. I mean, these are like, y you've brought the sport into a space that only you could bring it if you are a stubborn optimist. Dude, and, and there's, some, there's some value in uh, ignorance is bliss. Of course, like there, the, there, I wholeheartedly believe that. I think there if are we, people like if you, you across the table from dude. me. There are other friends of mine in this town that are in the filmmaking side that yeah. have gone to school and spent their entire lives building yeah. projects to get into Tribeca, and we fucking stumbled in there somehow. Absolutely, I mean, crazy. I, like I have no business helping produce a film to be in Tribeca. Yeah. So what the hell, man? Yeah. Yeah. Count your blessings there. It's pretty great. It's pretty pretty great. One of my favorite things about the film is that, you know, even if you're not a lacrosse fan, you get to witness this transformation, not only in you, but also in the sport, right? Like the sport is in a drastically different place than it was five years ago. It's now on ESPN every week right now. There's highlights on SportsCenter. Mm -hmm. So when you do go pro, you are on an elevated stage at a place that you didn't have 10 years ago and a lot of guys didn't have. So they do have more limelight shed on them. But they still need to, I believe, work on their presence as creators, as mm -hmm. do I think like all athletes. I think it's, it's, most athletes aspire to also have that entertainment side to what they do. I'm curious for you, what advice would you give to some of these younger players who are looking at you as a model? But you, but you were very unique with how stubborn you were. Yeah. And I'm curious, I'm sure you do give advice to a lot of the guys, but what does that look like? Well, you think you have to be careful uh, with like hyperboles and things around like, or any like presentation in the binary, this is what you need to do. I, th yeah. I think we've talked a lot about this. And number one is understanding who you are as a person, but also understanding as a person you evolve and who we are now too, may actually not be our potential or our best selves and what's holding us back or years of insecurities and trauma and things that prevent us fear, present, prevent us from uh, reaching our potential. And it's through sport or through passion that, that a lot of times you can unlock that. So it's important that there's a psychology to it. And knowing, just like in a relationship when someone's ready to take that step or not. And, and sometimes you find out that someone you know, doesn't want to embrace or be in the spotlight at all. And they're so focused on the artisanship of lacrosse and mm. that's worth capturing in its own lens. I'll use Steph Curry as an example. Steph, uh, generally, I would say like shy and introverted, hosted the ESPYs 15 years later, came from Dayton. Was it Dayton? I think it was Dayton. Yeah, he played at Dayton. Played, yeah, it was Dayton. Mm, pl he played at Davidson. Davidson. Davidson, incredible. I said that with player. a lot of confidence. Incredible player, but like the, the beat on Steph was, he's going to be one of the best in the NBA, but it's hard to create around him. So let's put cameras on him and just watch mm -hmm. him quietly assassinate. Mm. And, uh, and then as he grew, he found himself yeah. in a relationship with the camera that's uniquely and authentically Steph. 
And seeing that as an example, because he's, he's in, incredibly charismatic now. And uh, he's his own, he's his own personality and he's stylish and him and his wife, Aisha have this great, like admired relationship and mm -hmm. his skill on the floor and his consistency and his winning, like all play attribute to Steph Curry now. But is it easier for Steph? Steph has massive distribution. Whereas like lacrosse guys, again, they have distribution, but they need more. Like no, the PLL yeah, needs, I mean, for sure. needs a ton of guys who like you. Well, still two separate things. Like I'm, I'm, my long winded ass is still talking about the psychology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we can talk about the business model, but like the psychology of Steph is, is helpful for me to talk to someone like Tom Schreiber, who's a version of that in our sport. Doesn't like the camera. Uh, is incredibly crafty and skilled wins. Everything I said is Tom Schreiber. So how do, how do we create around him? Then there are, then there are athletes who just have it. They've never known how to express it through the high school and college system. And that's when you like push them. Mm. Um, and so what we've created is the distribution and the platforms to highlight players and build stars, but we still need their buy-in. Um, and we're still trying to crack that code and it's different with each person and kind of goes back to what we talk about. Some of it's manufactured, a lot of it's like grit and dogginess and, and then there's the entertainment side or entertainer mm -hmm. in the athlete. And I think with lacrosse, part of it is just opening it up for those guys. They're not used to having a spotlight to then be themselves in. And we talk about last chance you. Yeah. Last chance you brings cameras in to a locker room of basketball or football players who are in junior college, they've yet to reach any spotlight, but they know by looking up at their, you know, aspirational figures in hoops and football and the NBA and the NFL that like hard knocks exists and cameras are out everywhere. And this is part of it. They don't, they don't look at a camera and it's like, there's a camera in the room. They look at the camera like, damn right, there's a camera in the room because right. I'm a fucking beast. And like, mm -hmm. this is gonna, they're gonna cover this decision that I'm gonna make. And there's this general like acceptance and comfortability, I think, that comes with sports that have been in that limelight for a while, where our pros are in locker rooms first time and see four or five cameras in it going like, shit, you know, I'm gonna tense up. So I've gotta like work on like not only, and it's like a good director, even when it's shitty material, they're like, that was really good. That was great. So good. Oh my gosh. Mm. Let's shoot it again because it was so good. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's not why they're shooting it again, but they make you feel ah. accepted. Right. It is interesting that you've you've gone from, you know, that is that is the role you're taking on with the league, but like you're looking at these players and trying to I mean, how vulnerable yeah. is your personality? Super vulnerable. So yeah. some, if you're showing your personality and yeah. someone's like, that wasn't it, you're Oof. like, okay, well, fuck yeah. you, I'm yeah. not coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't like how that felt. So we have this you know, kind of unspoken rule amongst our publishers and content mm -hmm. production team is like, anything they do is great. Mm. Like highlight Well, that. how do you give constructive feedback then? Well, you, you have to do it as you would in, in any interpersonal relationship or business. And the best thing is like pull someone aside and have an individual conversation and ask them questions first. Don't come in with like a, like a, a ruling iron fist. Um, and, uh, and then in some cases, if like, you know, look, style evolves on camera, talent evolves, physique evolves. And so how can we be supportive? You know, I'm, I'm noodling over trying to figure out a official stylist partner for the PLL. And it's like not good enough to tell one guy who's gorgeous and 
I think could strut the cover of magazines to dress better. Uh, it's not good enough to just, to give them a, a you know a thousand dollar card to go spend. Yeah. It, it, what's good enough is like get them a stylist and get them the clothes. So mm-hmm. those are like behind the scenes things that leagues do that we're trying to explore doing and um, because yeah, sports are entertainment, as you said, and um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the arena that we're in, uh, you know, it's like, what are you wearing to your uniform and, and how you're approaching, you know, look good, feel good, play good. Like that lives in sports mm-hmm. and you're in this iconic position to, uh, inspire young kids and, and fashion is, is lifestyle is communication. Um, and there are these things that, that our athletes may not know that they can do yet that we're saying, yeah. go mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah. And at scale, I mean, the reality is even though this season specifically, I feel like watching the games on ESPN and seeing the crowds has been really inspiring. I mean, for, for me, like that storytelling, it's so visual. Yeah. yeah, It's such a doesn't matter if you know anything about the sport, turn it on. People care. That said, more people will engage with these athletes and engage with the league through social that's just the, the honest truth, right? Yeah. Like there are more people engaging, watching through media than they are in person. And that then means the, the media product that you guys are creating is incredibly important. Yep. That's most people's exposure to this league, to this sport. And how you craft that, that media product and how each of these athletes individually think about that is extremely important. And that is what being a sports league is. You know, like I haven't been to an NFL game. I've been to one NFL game, maybe, but I watch the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like the the opportunity with lacrosse is through the entrance point being media. Well, we know why sports remain so popular and media rights are continuing yeah. to expand is because it's the last form of live yeah. appointment watching entertainment. Mm-hmm. And unlike any scripted show, we don't know how it's going to end. So the tune in and a live component can then help drive advertisers because there's natural ad breaks through quarters and timeouts and stuff. So it's, it's going to forever live in a live format where how it's distributed doesn't matter where you, whether you click on the Amazon button on your remote for Thursday night football this year or uh, are watching it on CBS, NBC, ABC, or Fox. Um, that, is, that doesn't matter. People are going to watch when it's going on. But underneath that, I think are two things that sport have and they tap into the, the most core human design. The first is survival as, as a species and the species and species that were ahead of us and before us, it was all about survival. You wake up every day and how can I eat and how can I stay alive? And eating was a lot of times hunting or you would be hunted. And in sports, it, that, that lives uh, on the field. That's why playoffs are more tuned into. It's like one team is going to die. And then the other team is going to fight for their lives to survive. And survival you feel in sports and then the contact of it. It's like a gladiator game. Um, the second is also kind of part of the, the human genealogy, which is gossip. And uh, there's a book called Homo Sapiens that talks about the difference between us as sapiens and other creatures is that we gossip. It's not like, it's not like that we communicate or we have like, you know, dexterity that's different. 
It's a, no, we know how to make shit up and get collective <laughs> buy-in yeah. from other Story people. Wow. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. an S-corp, uh, a form, any form of new currency versus old currency. That was thought up of by some person. And in a lot of cases, they built structure around it and then they got collective buy-in. Uh, gossip in sport lives on all of the supportive programming. It lives in the press rooms. Yep. It lives from one player to the next. I'm better than you know I'm better than you. And other people get to pontificate on it and then argue or come together. Mm. It's all gossip. And so, uh, you know, gossip in its worst form, we see in entertainment, the tabloids, and kind of the gossip that makes us feel shitty. Um, but then there's also... Uh, the, the gossip that's entertaining that like we feel some sense of tribalism and belonging to and like this is my team and this is my guy or this mm -hmm. is my girl mm -hmm. and I'm like backing this fucking person no matter what and they're going to go out and play and represent us that's, that's what you get with sport even that mantra of this is our year you hear that in sports all the time that's gossip mm -hmm. all in and you either buy into that or you don't if you buy in you're a true yeah. fan yeah. and my gosh like it's, it's unbelievable yeah. like, I don't know what, which feeds the others like political campaigns or, you know, team mantras and slogans ahead of seasons. They're both kind of the same. They're trying to like aggregate a group of people to, to like fight for you. Do you approach that differently for the PLL or does, does the PLL approach that? Actually, I'll tell you something that than I, maybe other sports leagues. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've actually started uh, building a relationship with someone who uh, was a, a campaign leader for a major uh, president formerly and uh, we, he, he loves lacrosse, his son plays. And we were talking about the tour-based model, which is our business, isn't unlike- Political campaign. A political campaign. Whoa. And oh, dropping into markets, oh my especially swing states <laughs> yeah. like Iowa and Michigan mm, and yeah. Virginia and the Carolinas and Georgia. And he was like, we have, your version of tickets is our version of attendance. Like we sweat the details too, man. Mm -hmm. We don't want our candidate to show up and it be half full. Yeah. We fill these fucking arenas up. Yeah. He was like, you know, you know, one thing you guys aren't doing that I think you guys should start doing, especially because you don't have uh, a geography alignment, you know, like a president coming into a, a battleground mm -hmm. state could be from the East or West. And like, you know, aside from party alignment, how are we getting people here? like one of the tricks is that uh high school bands people love high school mm. bands and i was like what he was like think about it it's uh it's part of like fourth of july parades it's mm. part of celebrations they're at every football game he was like and then there's the simple math behind it if you get the trombone whether it's a a, a boy or girl his or her parents are going to come, maybe their grandparents, yeah. brother and sister. So you can Four like really extrapolate yeah. on the math alone. But then you tie in the community, like our high school band is going to be there. He was like, you guys should bring high school bands. That's a good like, idea. Wow. Damn a good idea. idea. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really I that. interesting. I love that. And Great I think example. that's stuff that a lot of people can learn about building communities, right? You're building a community, um, mm -hmm. a big community, and, and you're rallying around a specific idea and cause and yeah. And there's tactics, mm -hmm. right? So, so be curious, uh, look at different industries that have been successful in their respective fields Yeah, and, and ask and ask like campaign leaders or, you know, VPs of growth yeah. mm -hmm. and ticket sales managers. Like what the hell are you guys doing to deploy, you know, a task force that sure. puts 20,000 mm -hmm. people in seats every Thursday night? I also think lacrosse is unique in the people who have played it. 
like you just mentioned, like, yeah. you know, someone whose son plays lacrosse and like, that just feels like in the entertainment industry in the broader space, like I run into people who've played lacrosse at scale and in like, especially in the entertainment industry. And you even look at creators, um, Nash Greer, yep. like a legacy social media creator. Josh Richards. Josh Richards, Casey Neistat. Eric, used to watch Eric, us on TLN. Who's, who's a fan of yours, you know, who's like a big creator. Lil Jeez. Huddy, yeah. yeah. Um, the Paul brothers, yep. right? And yep. you met them at an event from yep. my memory. Mm -hmm. um, Sat with Logan again recently. You did? At a Cash App event uh, during F1 in Miami. Perfect. Yeah. I wanted to zoom in on Logan Paul okay. uh, because of how much I think you taught me about the WWE. The WWE is now also an investor yeah. in the PLL. Um, and the role that you're playing, even just supporting the athletes on, on building their narratives, their storylines. I've sat with you and watched documentaries about WWE and learned a lot about storytelling yeah. through that. And, and also learned a lot about audiences and how they want to receive entertainment. Cause like there's this common, you know, narrative that like, oh, it's fake. How can you watch it? But then you have to actually dig in and be like, wait, hold on. Why are people watching this? How compelling is that? Right. That you're getting an appointment watching television yeah. from people around the world. The largest audience yes. on YouTube. Yes. Mm -hmm. The biggest fucking audience on YouTube is the WWE. It smacks the NFL. Oh yeah. Yeah. It smacks them. Big and, time. And these are people yeah. who are tuning in that know that there is a boardroom of about 12 people that came up with what this person on yeah. stage is mm -hmm. saying and who's going to win this fight. It's actually live and theater. And they don't care. It's so good. It's yeah. live theater. It's live theater. Yeah. It's a male soap opera. Yes, it is. And yeah. it's so important to, to take lessons from how the WWE And they're operates. evolving. Yes. Right? They yeah. have this thing called kayfabe, mm -hmm. which was, it was the ultimate sin in their business if you broke character. Or if you showed anything behind the gorilla and the yep. gorilla is, is the, uh, like the walkout yep. area yep. Mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Vince McMahon mm -hmm. formerly sat now the co-CEO Stephanie McMahon and, and Paul Levesque, Triple H is head of talent. Yep. Now he's running all, uh, storylines and such. And he, they're both brilliant. And I love them both. Um, kayfabe was untouchable. Now the WWE network and their YouTube channel, they, they break that wall Big regularly. Time. Logan yeah. Paul's a great example. Logan I mean, Paul came in with a lot of backstory about yeah. who he is. Yeah. And yet he's able to navigate this world of the WWE and be an accepted character. He's in the video game. He also did a podcast with Triple H where they talk about the WWE and he's talking to him about his own storyline. He's talking about how he's built his own character. Yeah. And they're riffing back and forth. It's like they're they're opening up the curtain. Yeah, Paul. His, yeah. I oh, yeah. I was talking about is Paul Levesque, which is he, Triple H. Like I've just loved this guy. He he he's so he's very smart. sharp. Yeah, and he's got his yeah. voice. And <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, and he's this great storyteller. But he he Big, openly tough. He openly on that podcast is so resilient. Like Lo uh, Logan asks him on that podcast what he thought when the concept of Logan Paul being in the WWE was first brought, first brought to his attention. And he openly says his answer was, who the fuck is that? And he had no idea who he was. And uh, it's a really interesting conversation and dynamic. But I'm curious about like your viewpoint on even this younger generation of you know, kids. It seems like artists, creators are attracted to this game. As we can see, some of the biggest social media stars have played the game. You know, Logan Paul entering the WWE, does it kind of 
you know, spark your mind or interest in like excellent content creators now entering in the PLL and what that looks like. Uh, Cause I do think it's a big, it's a big deal that yeah. Logan Paul's in the WWE and his ability to storytell and be a, he, he says with triple H, he, he wants to play a role in how the WWE moves forward on social and, and how it plays out over YouTube and everything like that. Well, I think what you're seeing with a lot of creators is, it's it's not to diminish the platforms that they're building incredible popularity on popularity that yeah. the A-listers of the nineties never touched. Mm -hmm. But what you're seeing also happen is creators using that as a segue to perennial mediums and perennial mediums will live lifetimes. Yeah. Professional sports. Yep movie business, music, uh, fashion. And mm -hmm. so like those industries are being disrupted and they're dealing with new times and technology and media, but a good movie will always be a part of mm. general audience consumption and being a lead in that movie is something really special. And what a lot of I've, I'm seeing some of these creators understand is like, they're really good on camera. They're doing it every day. And they're exploring themselves and they're meeting other people and they're, they're artists. And so they're just transitioning to the big screen. Doesn't mean they're abandoning the small screen. Uh, but wow, what a, yeah. what a new way of going about becoming an actor. Yeah. yeah. What a new way of going about becoming an artist and a musician. Mm. What a new way about becoming an athlete. Yeah, I love in that. In boxing. Yeah. In wrestling. Maybe in lacrosse. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's likely. Also yeah. for creators, collaboration is the best way to grow and it always has been. And I think it's a mutually beneficial relationship for someone like Logan Paul to bring his audience to the WWE. And it's very beneficial for him to get that audience from the WWE, well, right? Well, let's talk about the WWE for a second too, because I think it's a lot like what we're here in referencing with creators and the avenue that there is no avenue yeah. How do you become a creator? Will you figure it out? And you do things that mm -hmm. you enjoy and you learn and you splatter the page with ideas. Yes. The WWE and Paul Levesque will tell you this. He grew up in New Hampshire and saw wrestling on TV, wanted to be a wrestler, had no fucking idea how. There was no wrestling school at the time. There was no wrestling program. So what he thought was like, well, I guess the least that I could do is have my body look like one of those. So he went into professional bodybuilding. So he just went to the gym and started lifting weights. And then he waited for the tour to come into his market. And then he went and he knocked on the door and mm. he found out how, but he took a first step yes. that is worth repeating, which is okay. These guys on screen that I admire look like this. I need to look like that. There's, that, oh man. there's a fantastic line in um, Creativity Inc., which is the book yeah. about Pixar. Of course. And he, the, the guy, uh, Ed Catamall, wants to become an animator. Uh, and he's graduating college and trying to solve how to become an animator. And he says that at the time, it, there was a much clearer path. There's a much more defined path of how to become a doctor than how to become an animator. And what's interesting is I think that still holds true today with, with creator or, you know, other professional uh, lacrosse players, professional lacrosse player, where it's like, I can explain to someone 
even though I've never gone down that path, I can explain in broad strokes how you become a doctor. You go to school, you go to med school, you do a residency. Like I, I have some idea of how that happens. If someone asked me, how do you become a successful YouTube creator? I, my answer is like, make stuff until it works and then don't stop. You know, it's like, there's some level of a roadmap, but same with professional across the roadmap. The first version of it is the one that you you know, are showing in this, in this movie of like, I think this is kind of what it looks like. And it's, it's up and down. And, and this was me trying it. And it's still being written. And it's still being Even written. Even though the movie's over. I'll, I'll give you another sports story that might resonate for what new media has opened up for creators and finding your career different now than it was for the NBA in the 80s. The NBA in the 80s was a different league than it is today. It was led by David Stern. Enter Michael Jordan. Cut to 1992's dream team. The NBA popped off, became international. Um, we think about the NBA now, two-thirds of its audience is non-domestic to the U.S. Two-thirds of its audience. They're in Asia Pacific. There's NBA Africa. Played all over Europe. And you think David Stern, the former commissioner, rest in peace, had this gigantic idea and strategy around building basketball overseas from a revenue generation, from a media, um, from, from, a, from a media fusion. No, David Stern's idea was I need to find basketball talent overseas that can play in the NBA. The rest will follow. And, and that was it. Mm. So he deployed the first scouting system to go out and find someone in Europe who could make it in the NBA. That was the story. Because now all of a sudden, if you're from that area in Europe or Asia Pacific or Africa, there's something you can feel that, oh, they made it into the NBA. Moreover, he wanted the NBA to be the global destination. So that was how it was done, mm. which was which was brilliant at the time and they've built all this population of basketball fans and basketball participation from the first players in Europe coming over and making in the NBA what you have now which technology has created is you don't have to be found anymore you can just you can just burst on the scenes with something great you don't need to rely on an mm -hmm. NBA scout to be you know to yeah. happen to fall onto your local street court and identify your talent and something that you really care about. You have your talent, you can just go get it out there. Mm. And when I think about the PLL and lacrosse growth internationally, yeah, we need to spend resources and get our team and our scouts out there. And I wanna be the David Stern that finds this player on the Japanese national team that finished third, mind you, ahead of the Haudenosaunee, lost by two to a US team in the World Games in Alabama early this summer. There's a player on that team that can play in the PLL. Like, I want to go fucking find that guy yeah. right now. Um, and then from there, like, you know, we build and, and the game becomes international and there's more access. And, uh, and so there's all different ways to, uh, to show yourself, to grow, to, to be found. And, uh, and we just look, in, look through history and, and different disciplines through different lenses on how that was done. We try to apply that to what we're doing today. I, I wholeheartedly agree that everything we're seeing today happening in media and really in, in all businesses, if you just look back in time, it's, it's already it's, happened. It's already mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. It's I mean, what are we doing right now? We're on the radio. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. It's just an evolution of that. That's right. We just don't have to ask anyone if we can be on the radio anymore. Dude, our, all of our streaming platforms that we yeah. subscribe to, it, it's just that going to a same. restaurant and yeah. choosing from the menu versus having to go right. to the buffet. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Right. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're choosing to buy, just buy all of the channels and the content yeah. separately. Now the networks are paying a lot of money to, because there's like an mm -hmm. arms race for content. It's a separate conversation. Speaking of, the streaming platform. It's unbundling and it's going to bundle again. It's going to bundle. Yeah. 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 That's a classic media. Classic. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the streaming platforms, let's talk about where you can watch this movie. ESPN plus on August 29th. Uh, the, the documentary will also be distributed on ESPN on September 18th. That's mm. a Thursday night prime time at seven o'clock Eastern. Woo. Wow. Yeah. There we go. How about that? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, actually, sorry. Sorry, I got that wrong. Okay, okay. Hey, Paul, where can you watch the film? <laughs> <laughs> so I got the streaming right. September 15th mm. on ESPN. That's a Thursday night at 7 p.m. September time. 18th on ABC. On ABC? Wow. Yeah, leading into our championship game. That's a Saturday at noon. Wow. Wow. Yeah, distribution's incredible. That's crazy. Like, but what's happening? I would recommend watching it on streaming. I'm going to say that. Because, because of I, the 72 F words. Yes. Yeah. Because it's also like- You, you think I hit that marker here? You want to get that. No. But it was close. Nah. I said no. It a lot. I'd say I just think you, I think you want to get, like with a documentary, you want to observe it in its most raw form. And I think watching this on streaming is where you want to watch it. Obviously for me, I will watch it on ABC because that's going to be a really exciting moment. Yeah. Um, also seen the movie ESPN but on a Thursday night at yeah, seven. That's awesome. That's, also really that's awesome. Cool. That's, yeah. awesome. That's, that's a huge yeah. accomplishment. I also so just, August 29th, September 15th, September 18th. And then it'll continue to run on streaming. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it is crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Expect, I think it's hard me to, to be memed quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it's part, part of it, man. Some weird things we'll, in there. We'll that, probably meme you here. Yeah. Yeah. Meme me here. Yeah. Meme me all you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, memes it, are great. If it's not memes being memed, then you're yeah. not doing it. Then you're not doing anything. Dude, there were, there was a really good Twitter thread that went out today around why the last dance was so successful. Mm. And one of the three reasons was memes. Memes. I think yeah. that's why Tiger King was so successful too. If it's memeable, then it makes its way into mainstream culture. And that, you know, if well, I happen to think that I'm a, a really, memeable uh, guy. what's that? I said memeable guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm a devastate. I'm a devastating crier. Mm. Like it's just. Oh, that's what you're thinking. Wow. About. If anything, tune in I, for that. It's unattractive. I think, it's unattractive. I think, it's quite ugly. It's a little think, bit unexpected. Is all yeah. I'm going to say. It's, it's the like way you're you looking, cry. It's like, I don't think you should describe it that much. I think you yeah, should let people. It's, it's, I was going to say. I think like tune in, tune in for the tears. Yeah, and, and the locker room scene. And so yeah. what I was going to say is, you know, MJ cried. Andrew Garfield cried. Tobey Maguire. They've all cried and been memed. So I'm prepared. Put me in that class. Maybe that's right. That's right. Maybe if I don't yeah. get memed, then like, you, you I'm not a good crier. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's then true. it's not or, actually or that maybe good. maybe I'm a good crier. Yeah. That's yeah, what it is. That's what it is. So it's a win-win. But some of the scenes in there are going to get memed for sure. It's definitely. Yeah, and that will be a good thing. It'll be a good thing. You think definitely? Yes. Definitely. So yeah. I had that's a bit of a, of a uh, Will Ferrell old school moment, didn't I? That's right. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's the audience's cue to go watch the film and screen record it so they can meme it. <laughs> you should have a meme competition. Lean in. I wonder it. how many people that listen to this show yeah. have even seen old school. Mm, not, no. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. Let's go get some dinner, huh? Yep. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Paul. for coming on, Paul. Guys. Yeah. Appreciate it.
All right. That's our interview with our friend, Paul Rabel. If you want to check out the film, you heard what he said there. You can go check it out on ESPN. Honestly, just type it into Google. You'll find a place to watch it. Uh, It's also going to air on ABC soon, which will be really cool to see. I'm really excited about that. But definitely check out the film and check out Paul. If you're interested in sports, check out the Premier Lacrosse League. It's fun to watch. And if there's any other people that you want to see us have on the show, you can head over to our Reddit, r slash Colin and Samir, and just drop a comment in there. If you've been enjoying the show and you've made it to this part of the episode, if you could rate our podcast, that would be awesome. Give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Pods or Spotify. Uh, Let us know how you've been liking the show, and we will see you later this week for an episode of Creator Support. See ya. (laughs) 